The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And today's episode is focused around business, career development, entrepreneurship, and navigating mental health in the process. And this is with a good friend of mine, Eric Z. Yang. He is based in Bangkok, Thailand, but he actually is originally born and raised in Paris, which I have been trying to coordinate with him at some point to eventually meet up in Paris because I'm more likely to go there first than um, go over to Bangkok. But he was actually previously on the podcast. If you've been listening since then, you might remember, but this was on episode 32 back in July 2020. So if you are interested in checking out that episode, it is available. And that one, we did talk a bit more about discipline and entrepreneurship. And on this conversation, we expanded a bit more on his journey since that period that we recorded. And I really appreciate kind of the the way it's a little bit more diverse in today's conversation where we talk a lot about him navigating, you know, a period where he was unfortunately cheated on, he had a difficulty in that relationship and um, navigating therapy and hiring a mindset coach and more or less figuring out what he wanted to do, uh, especially with his career because he previously had a virtual summit agency that ended up burning him out basically and he wasn't that passionate about it anymore per se or at least passionate about the way he was doing it and so it took him you know a little over a year close to two years to really getting um, his footing again and I think that is very relatable regardless if you are an entrepreneur because I think this is often what we see even in the corporate world where you hit a wall and you're like okay crap I am not enjoying what I'm doing and I want to find a way to leave to a new job or maybe at some point you're like I want to start my own thing like it, it could be any of the above and and again I always preface it about the corporate thing because not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur and even though I am one myself I don't necessarily believe like you you should want or have to do that I just think whatever works the best for you whatever is the most aligned with you go in that direction. But personally for me, I gained a lot of insight in this episode with Eric because, um, you know, especially for me as an entrepreneur, it's always really good energy to gain ideas from fellow entrepreneurs and people that are doing what you want to do in a sense or have optimized their system in a really good way. And Eric has really done that. And the, the best part about this conversation is, is hearing some deeper insight into how he has the guts to charge 20,000 US dollars for four hours of his time. And to a lot of us, that is fucking crazy. But we talk about mindset shifts and recognizing your value and actually how to 
indicate like the practicality of, of why it's not just a woo-woo number he explains it in depth on this episode and so again regardless of where you are at in your career i think this could really get some ideas and wheels turning for you as it did for me and so with that being said let's welcome eric again to the podcast you know eric has been on the show back in 2020 which is crazy because i think it was probably like I was still living in Orange County, and at this point, 2020, I was in LA. So I guess over two years ago, like maybe two and a half years ago, you were on my podcast, which is crazy. I want to say like June 2020. And then now we're recording this in December 2022. And at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, were you still involved in your virtual summit business? Yes, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh... There was, I think that was around the time when I was stopping to do virtual summits. Got um, it. Yeah. Around that yeah. Time. I, I would love to dive into your your quick history with that and then how you have transitioned to what you're doing now, which I really enjoyed reading about on your stories the other day where you were talking about. And, I, and also, too, I would really be interested to hear about to be honest, maybe the mental health journey of the gap of up, like up until from like, I know there was a period of maybe like a year or two where you were really figuring out what you wanted to do next after the virtual summit. And I'm curious to hear that more on the front of how you were feeling mentally and how mm. that affected different parts of your life. Because I think that is, that occurs a lot for people like listening. So, you know, women listening to this, they might not be in a similar position where they're doing business or having something for themselves. But like that gap between I'm not fulfilled in my job right now, what am I going to do next is kind of that mental health slight depression that I think a lot of people feel. And I'm curious to know how you kind of resolve that yourself. But yeah, you can you can start wherever. I'm wondering which angle I should go by first. Um, I think the first thing can be more context-based about what virtual summits are and how I got there. So mm-hmm. for context, uh, I was born and raised in Paris, and uh, but I'm Chinese. But I went to the U.S. for school uh, because I always knew that I wanted to become an entrepreneur, have my own business, and build like a lifestyle business. And I actually enrolled into a community college because I knew, one, that would be the easiest way for me to get a visa to get quote unquote approval from my Asian parents to go to the US and mm-hmm. free because community college is way cheaper than a four-year university and also the classes were way easier. So I picked uh, Santa Barbara because it was in California so I can go to all the entrepreneurship events I wanted to since LA, SF, San Diego was kind of close and for two years, I tried to go to as many events as possible. And I will go to conferences, I will go to workshops, I'll go to classes. And uh, I will meet a lot of people about uh, who talk about digital marketing. And people were coaches, people were entrepreneurs, and in courses, Facebook ads, MLM. Um, and the big issue for me was, although I knew that I wanted to teach people something, I just didn't know what to teach. And I didn't want to be that guy who buys a course, let's say on Facebook ads, and then teaches people on Facebook ads when I have never ran Facebook ads myself, or I ran Facebook ads, but of course never worked on me. So I'm teaching it back to other people. Mm. Um, I, I didn't want to figure to make it because that just didn't seem congruent with me. And I actually paid a decent amount of money to join masterminds where people were telling me X, Y, Z things to do. Um, but I really never really aligned with it because once again, it was more of chicken and egg situation where I needed experience to teach people, but whatever I was doing wasn't working. So mm-hmm. fast forward to two years later after after joining college first is I decided to create the event I wish I had because the main problem that I had when I went to all those 50 plus conferences in the span of two years was I was almost always the youngest one by at least maybe three, five, six years. I was maybe like 20, 19 uh, back then. And the oldest one, like the second youngest one was like 25, 26. And I didn't want to learn from people that were business for 10 years. I wanted to learn from people who were around my age, who built business like a year or two ago and are crushing it, making six, seven figures. And I met some of those people around 
but I never had the events for that. So I created the event I wish I had, which was a physical event for digital entrepreneurs under 30 making above six figures. And I didn't have to fake it there because I just spoke on stage. I shared about my experience of why I created the event. I invited speakers who shared on my behalf without me needing to be an expert. And then mm-hmm. I sold tickets to the conference. And I learned something about Facebook ads, so I applied that. Uh, it was a great event. Um, actually made six-figure uh, out of it. But uh, I actually barely broke even on that because of cost splitting, commission worthy people, etc. But the biggest thing for me was the fact that I did not own the venue. I paid, I think, 7k usd for three days at a hotel venue which i didn't own right after that and that pissed me off so i decided mm. to do the same thing uh take the same concept that i had which is entrepreneurship uh event for young entrepreneurs making above six figure uh on the 30 online and i created an online conference on that and that conference took me uh was four times faster to produce it cost me 10 times less and made me profit-wise 35 times more. And I built my email list from zero to a thousand. And it was the beginning of a great journey where after that, people came to me. He's like, hey, Eric, how do you do that? Can you do it for me? And I, and I did it for them. Uh, hosted Airbnb Summit back in 2017. Uh, this guy had zero, zero email list size. He knew about Airbnb. Did events, boom, from zero to 8,500. We made 85K in revenue. And then next one was a crypto summit. And then next one was a agency summit. And every single time I did those conferences, I was not only getting more skills by doing conference, but I was learning about the theme of the conference. So I was basically paid to learn from those, those experts that were the very best in the industry. Mm-hmm. And eventually I built an agency around that where I produced con- uh, events for the people. And, and that's something that, was doing for, I think, four years before I closed down the agency, like right in the beginning of COVID or maybe let's say mid, beginning to mid of COVID, uh, mm. I had a severe burnout and uh, I took a rest and a break because I had so much stress and anxiety that even opening emails in the morning would just paralyze me for like legitly me like 45 mm. minutes. I'm curious about the burnout you because you mentioned like like did you see that coming or did it happen just like within a few days you were just it just hit you so it was coming up and oh I'm I was I think I'm passing this nice here I think I was a tough entrepreneur that was so one dimensional about business I lived, I breathed, I ate, and I slept business 24-7. Mm. You were to ask me like what I was doing for fun, I'd be like, I like to go to business conferences. I like to <laughs> podcast. I like to go on those like mini mastermind dinners and meet all the entrepreneurs, right? I did not have a life outside of business. Uh, it, I, I walk with my ther- therapist and many times like, hey, what do you do for fun outside of business? And I could not answer that. Ooh. And I did not have a way to quote unquote recharge. I did not have a way to. I think the biggest thing for me, Emily, was I didn't know how to handle situation where I was emotionally charged by the challenges of business. What I meant by that is, as we know, entrepreneurship is like, like a roller coaster of emotions, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. ups and downs. But I think that more than anything else, there's always something, there's always shit happening to you. There's always, you need to fix, there's always need you to put out the fire and you need to find a solution to that, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever you have a big win, it's great. But the big fire coming up is always ready on the next corner of the door. So you have to get ready for that. Mm-hmm. I did not know how to handle those emotionally charged situations where I was getting more and more drained by each one of those to mm. the point where I was so recluse that I didn't know how to handle that. Mm. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is not only did I not have a life as a business, but two is I was doing more and more things in the business that I did not enjoy. When I first started the business, I was like a one-man agency where I did everything, which is kind of crazy and stupid at some time crazy because i learned everything about my side of business but it's stupid because i couldn't handle it but then eventually i hired like people and become like a team of eight people to do virtual summit for other people 
Uh, but I realized that the one thing I enjoyed doing the most was the strategy of the client, which is in, 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 which is essentially taking client vision, see how their roadmap could match with the strategy that could like literally double or triple the email list and double or triple their revenue. Mm-hmm. But as the business grew, I was less doing strategy and I was doing more operational. Like instead of mm-hmm. doing strategy, I was managing a team. And I really, although I love the team I built, I really did not enjoy doing that, but I did not recognize that I was doing more of the things I hated over time and less of the things I loved doing. And eventually when I burned out, I didn't understand why I, I hated the business I built when I used to love it so much. And it took me like a year to even think about going back to doing virtual summit uh, because I was just so, I think disgusted was almost the word for that. Like disgusted, but also like, afraid of going back into building business because of how it made me feel. I want to touch on a bit about you mentioned how you realized that you just didn't have a life out of outside of business. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because um, one of my girlfriends, she works at Amazon in supply chain and she works like 10, maybe 12 hours a day sometimes. Like all she does is is sleep, eat, breathe, working at Amazon. And I, you know, she's in a long distance relationship. Her boyfriend lives in London. She lives in the U.S. And I'm kind of like, girl, are you doing anything outside of this? And she's like, no. And I, I'm, and I, of course, naturally as a friend, I'm, I kind of want to nudge her to be like, yo, you got to make friends in the city that you live in. Like you got to get out of your house and, and not be staring at your laptop all day. But from your perspective, because you have that experience, do you think that's something you just have to you have to hit the low point yourself to realize that? Or do you think if someone would have nudged you like, hey, Eric, you know, you you should consider like balancing a little bit of like more time for yourself so you don't burn out. Do you think you would have actually like absorbed that advice, so to speak? That's a great question. And I don't think I would have had uh, absorbed that because I would be like, OK, that's not a priority. Like right now, my number one priority is business because that's mm-hmm. my, my, I think the biggest issue is my core identity, my confidence, mm-hmm. my self-worth was attached to how well my business was doing. Mm-hmm. So when the business was doing great, I felt great. When the business <laughs> was doing shit, I felt like shit. And like we know, you feel more shit like great in the business because shit happens and your goals change over time and you're almost never satisfied because you always want the next level, right? And I think that's why I was so burnout and depressed after the business happened, uh, the business burnout happened and closed down the agency is, okay, I realized that business was not fe- fueling me anymore, but I also lost such a big core of my identity when mm. I closed down the business. Um, I was not only lost and depressed, but I lost a part of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a part that I had to rebuild and to react on that, to restart, to like, hey, okay, well, I am not what I'm doing. I am what I am, which is, uh, you know, my my identity, like my values, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really really important to to differentiate. But I think that it takes way more work to understand what your values are and how to stand behind them than not to say get sucked into the lifestyle that you are in. But it just anything that challenges your identity. Is something that you most of the time reject because it is the easiest thing. Like you don't want to have your whole freaking par- like um, paradigm shifted from one day to another because that would just make you as lost as fuck, uh, and that's not sustainable. But mm-hmm. to going back to your point is, yeah, uh, I think that for me is I I was probably afraid of. I was probably afraid of not knowing what would make me stand out if it wasn't for my work. And mm. that took me a lot of time to not only feel that I am more than my work, but mm. also like, what else could I do? Because it took me three months to actually find my first hobby. Like three months of active searching <laughs> and, and and trying things. Um, and even talking about this, looking back, it's like, yeah, that's that's not healthy because... If you're not enjoying the things you're doing and you're not having fun and just doing out of quote-unquote fear of Mm -hmm. whatever that is, not being good enough or fearful that people will not like you or that, you know, if without your job or whatever you feel like you're part of, 
uh, is not part of you anymore, then you have nothing. And that nothingness is really, really dark and can be really scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you you share that, how like when you stepped away from Virtual Summit and that business, you felt like you lost a big part of your identity. And I had that aha moment in life, but it was because of a relationship when I was in college, which is really funny because I think it, it's I think um, that's a big reason why I started What Fulfills You in the first place is because I had had that depression period of life where I literally lost my identity and I had neglected building you know, a future career or a future Emily Elizabeth. And this was when I was 20. So in a sense, it was lucky that I had this realization when I was in college because I had a, that's when I consider it free time, you know, like you're, my parents were luckily paying for my college. So I had this buffer of time to kind of build Emily identity up. And it was because of someone breaking up with me and feeling like, oh, fuck, I put almost all my eggs in a relationship basket. So now I'm like nothing. So mm. I remember that feeling too, though. Um, but like, do you do you have advice around around the the concept of like building something or like finding new things to fulfill you in a sense outside of work or outside of whatever people are are putting maybe too much of their energy in? Like, what what was something you wish maybe someone could have told you at the time? It's quite hard for me to understand back then so i try to explain the best way possible right now but mm-hmm. there's a big difference between having your identity attached to what you're doing to what you are so what you're doing is let's say you're an entrepreneur you have a business you are hard work, you know you're a hardworking person that wants to make business work or your full-time job work and you see yourself as let's say amazon employee that is doing a great job or you have a blog you have a podcast right mm-hmm. and and those are things that, you know, put you in a box. But then what you are is, is the values behind it. Like, hey, who are you to your friends? Who are you to yourself? Who are you to your clients? And the values could be like, okay, no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to be uh, congruent with my words. No matter what happens, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to commit to my words. And there's a difference between... And the great thing about that is when you're so focused on your values is that we talk about this in like the input, right? Like what mm-hmm. is the result and what do you need to do to get the results? The mm-hmm. result is always up to other people because mm-hmm. you can't control, let's say, uh, the amount of sales you get in a, in a month in a particular way, but you can control how many times you reach out to your client that then can convert to the numbers that you want to get on a sales call and then close them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you said to yourself, okay, I am someone that is hardworking because when I say I'm going to reach out to 20 people, I don't do that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to I'm a great salesman and I close 20 times a day. Uh, and so. Yeah. Yeah. I see that identity switch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that is great because even if, let's say, you get fired or you change your career, mm-hmm. your values carry itself to other areas in your life as opposed to mm-hmm. how you see yourself and how you identify to what you are doing so that's something like was a huge shift for me and that really helped me because i mean now i'm doing consulting on which was something it took me a year and a half of trying to build four businesses since mm-hmm. i closed down the agency to realize that you know what the thing i hated wasn't like agency wasn't the virtual summit side the the, the part that i hated was i was no longer doing strategy I was no longer speaking, which is something I really enjoy doing. And I was mm-hmm. no longer like in control of uh, my life. And now that's why I scaled down from eight people to just doing one person consulting. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's something I enjoy way more. I have more control over it. Obviously, I can't scale as much with one man, but I'm enjoying my life way more. And mm-hmm. to balance out the fact that I need X amount of money, I just like 4X my price for my consulting. And it worked mm-hmm. out because I was able to niche down as well. But um, but yeah, it, it was a dark place. Um, it was a really dark place because I I didn't know the type of help I needed. And I think mm-hmm. what I just needed was be able to experience the small things over again without needing to be so wired on, okay, how can I make this into a business? How what can I learn from this movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I'm watching it and just breathe a little bit, live a little bit. 
and build life outside of business for me, which was my core identity. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Okay, speaking of building a life outside of business and work and everything, I'm curious to know, during this period, were you like dating? Were you exploring more of like the different elements of life? And and maybe a, an additional tangent to that question would be like if you like cuz you you were struggling as you said you were you were in a little dark place you were trying to kind of navigate what what the fuck you're doing and, and what your identity is going to convert to or or remain as if you weren't really seriously dating do you feel like a part of that is because you needed to kind of get yourself in a solid place first uh, uh yeah so i was dating when I was well, when I closed on the agency and tried to figure it out by myself, um, six months later, uh, I found out she cheated on me. So that wasn't a great place to be. <laughs> uh, mm. May was when I closed on the agency. December of 2020 is uh, when I found out she cheated on me. So, I, you know, I was really down, but, you know, I was like, hey, let's use this energy to do something else and build a business. Um, I built three different businesses with what I would call three of really close friends. Um, some of those people you know of, and every single time I built a business, I was um leftover mm-hmm. because they had different priorities in business, and they was come like, sorry, this this is not priority anymore. When this was my sole priority, um, expectation was set. Uh. Responsi- responsibility was shared mm-hmm. it just you know it didn't work out because they weren't doing the work and then just one day said, like, hey sorry i can't do that so i was like okay and then doing again and doing again so honestly between the relationship thing and the business relationship thing uh i started to have trust issues <laughs> so <laughs> um in those moments um you know for me it was just like hey let's just figure mm-hmm. out the next thing it's okay so opportunity will come um, so what I did to, to make an income for myself is, you know what, let's, NFT is really hard right now. Let's do an NFT summit. Let's reconnect with some people. Let's, you know, get out of this, uh, need to build business with someone else. Um, and you know, it was great. Um, uh, I realized that NFT space is kind of quote unquote scammy. So that, you know, didn't want to make me more invest into that, but I was able to make some money out of it. And then. Mm-hmm. After NFT kind of bubble popped a couple of months ago, uh, I was like, you know, asking myself, what do I want to do again? Maybe going back to doing a virtual summit. So honestly, the biggest thing that helped me was having both a therapist and a mindset coach. So a therapist is more someone that, you know, listens to you more like a close friend that listens to you without judgment. And the thing I like about mm-hmm. therapist, having a therapist is unlike a friend, where you might feel guilty to take some of the time, the therapist is paid to listen to you. So you don't have to be, feel guilty about taking their time because that's their job, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the mindset coach, he's more someone mm-hmm. who is going to challenge your paradigm and someone's going to, mm-hmm. you know, call you out on your bullshit. Um, so those two things really helped me out and, and made me realize that you know, the thing I used to hate wasn't like all of it. It was only a part of it. So how can I remove that part and maybe try again? Not necessarily go back to it, but try again, doing a little bit of it and see how it worked out. And for me, it worked out great. And uh, and uh, mental health is still something I work on, but mm-hmm. honestly, feel like a hundred times better than a year ago because that was a really, really dark place for me. I guess maybe after, so maybe let's like on in 2021, then I guess after that December period, um, I think I'm assuming at that point, you're still kind of navigating what you're going to do next, right? Like you're trying all these different potential business ideas. And I remember at some point last year too, I think we were probably having 
random calls where we're just chatting about like what you're up to, what I'm up to, what what we're working on kind of thing. Um, regarding like outside of business and work, like what was that like for you? Do you feel like compared to now that was more difficult because you weren't in a solid place per se? I will say so. Um, you know, in those moments where I didn't know what to do next, my main focus was always like, you know, what kind of business can I build for fun, right? I had literally like four podcasts I was ready to launch. I was like, there's like four virtual summits I wanted to launch. There were like two books I wanted to write. Um, and I was trying like, hey, it's something that's aligned with me. No, not really right now. So let's not do it. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing I mean, I was also quite lonely. I mean, I know we connected and also yeah. uh, I have a lot of friends, but just felt like in that moment where I need help from people, people just didn't show up. And maybe I just realized that I wasn't maybe as close to some people as I thought. So mm-hmm. me being alone with my own thoughts allowed me to just recover myself and my expectations. And I think that working with a therapist really, really worked because I was able to emotionally charge out all the feelings and thoughts I had to be able to have a quote-unquote clean emotional sheets that allowed me to tackle things at face value. And I think that's really, really big for people. Like, it's really easy to have your emotion accumulate on itself that makes something small bigger than way bigger than what it is. And sometimes you just need this one or two little uh, framework to just make you realize yeah. that you know what I just need to ask that person what they thought about me when I went on a date with me because they're making things really unclear with me right now uh, as opposed to yeah. you know trying to uh, brain spy yourself like hey this person doesn't like me or I have trust issues like I can't be with someone right. etc so um, this allows you to think in simple terms so that you can take things easier but uh, but yeah um I think finding hobbies is one thing, but I kind of always knew that I was always going to go back to business, but it didn't have any flavor when I was doing it because I wasn't feeling good about it. And I just needed Uh time off from it. Uh, And that time off was literally like six, seven months for me. When you were working with your therapist, or maybe you still are, or like, do you have advice around like someone that hasn't had therapy experience yet? Would you advise on kind of just going into it with like, okay, I'll probably do this for a couple of months or maybe a long period of time. Or did you approach it where you were like, okay, let me do this for three months and let me evaluate after like what, 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 and then same with your mindset coach too. I don't know if you had a similar approach. Yeah. So I literally went through 15 therapists until I found the right one. Um, and I use a website called mm-hmm. BetterHelp to find my therapist. Um, and I think it's like one of the most affordable ones mm-hmm. out there. So, I mean, obviously do your research. Price-wise, uh, for those of you who are like financially tight, uh, I think I paid like $25 per year uh, per, per, per Wait, session. Wait, really? And that's like one session. Per- yeah, yeah. Is that because you're uh, in Thailand? No, no. So BetterHelp, the Wait. way it works, if you pay annually, it's 1800 but they have actually financial aid, which is given to anyone that applies for it. Dude, what the fuck? It. It's such a hack. And then, so basically, it comes down to from $35 to $25. And uh, yeah, it's so affordable. And it's like 45 minutes a day, uh, a week. And then you can text and, and send voice messages. Uh, it's just so, Wait, so nice. no, I swear. And, isn't it like 320 a month? No, so it's eighty dollars a week if you pay per week, but it's like twenty five dollars per week if you pay a year uh, at oh. a time, and also with okay. But you paid a year in advance. You I paid a year. Okay. You paid the um, annual, and then okay, they got it, and you applied for the financial yeah. aid thing. So that's how you. Yeah, and financial aid, yeah. it's such a hack because people don't know about it, but in, they kind of hide it. But I think that better help gets, you know, uh, grants from the government, obviously for mental health reasons. Uh, and then they just like give it to anyone. So I pay $25 <laughs> I did a week, not know this. Uh, for my therapist. Wow. Uh, so use better help. It's, it's a great platform if you find yeah. the right one. So the way that you should approach therapists is if it doesn't fit you a hundred percent, try to try another mm-hmm. one. And honestly, like, be as picky 
when it comes to choosing a therapist as you would for a long-term partner because that person is someone that you need to trust not only in obviously listening Mm -hmm. to you but also understanding you and that's really Mm -hmm. really important so my first therapy was great uh when i was going through those down moments but i felt like there was a ceiling of things that he could not add Mm into my life anymore he was a great listener but i need more like practical uh, listening and advice when yeah. I need it and the one I have right now is the type of therapist that actually reads uh mindset book like mindset about Carol work and he will send me extracts of the book oh, every fuck. week for me to read off <laughs> he will send me extract of the book the semi highly effective habits right and I will read that as well or he will you know read uh send me like some of the uh really like um really uh, scientific psychology books as well and he will make it easy for me to understand and he will you know send me messages so that's what i look for and it took me 15 times to uh find him yeah I and <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um that's a standard right that, that's like how high are your standards right. and it's you believing that it will come eventually and i was working with therapists between the, the first mm-hmm. one i had and the, the last one i had just at 15 i was working with a gray lady but she she ghosted me when I needed her the most. She would not show up on the session. She she would be like, "Hey, sorry, I can't make the call thirty minutes before," oh. and 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 then like I was like, "Hey, let's schedule a call for next week." She wouldn't she would not respond oh, to wow. me. And I was like, I was like, this is when I needed the most. Like you know, my girlfriend just broke up. I actually broke up my ex girlfriend because she cheated. I need someone to talk to, you and you know, wow. you, you're not being scheduled a call right now. Like, what are you talking about? So. So that was just like a funny moment. But yeah, uh, therapist is great for that. And then the mindset coach, that's more something where if you're an entrepreneur, you will ask maybe like around, like, hey, do you have a mindset coach? Hey, do you have someone that helps you focus? Uh, because that's where the trust and ability to understand what a business mm-hmm. is comes in. And that is like a little bit more contextual to what you're going through. So let's say you are someone who's like a professional athlete. On top of how, let's say, having a uh, a therapist, you would say how you would say and have a uh, sports, uh, right? No, yeah, mindset coach, someone who understands what yeah. you're going through. I would feel like maybe this is something that I've thought about in the past too, where like there are moments where I have been really curious about having a mindset coach, but maybe I sometimes can't fathom the fee that I'd have to pay. Did you, was that a fear for you? And if so, how did you overcome that? 100%. So one of the conditions for me to work with one of my ex-business partners was me using this uh, master coach. But feeling of uh, this business partner is the one who ended up flaking on me. So <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but how I found him is referral. And I didn't want to pay for him either because it's like quite pricey. It's yeah, like they're, they're usually pretty pricey, hour, especially if they are good. An hour. And 400 like, an hour? Yeah, so that's like twice a month. So that's eight hundred bucks, and he yeah. literally just doubled his price to six hundred, sixteen hundred. So, Jesus. how I would justify that is, if this person can actually make me money, and I'm at a better place where I'm comfortable asking for the price that I need to uh, live in a comfortable way, then it's worth it. If uh-huh. that's the ceiling that I need to push through then I will give it a try because I believe in myself. I just don't know if the person going to help me will be able to help me. Right. But if you went through the same mental uh, blockage, if you're feeling that you're always making two step forward, two step back, two step forward, two step back, that your hard, uh, your hardware is kind of like burning out and you don't know what else you could do. Uh, it just needs someone to pull you out to a new reality because yeah. what you've been trying to achieve by yourself is not working because otherwise you have figured out already. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i feel like i've been stuck for the past two years going through the same mindset you know shift that i have um and and the biggest thing for me Millie, and i realized why i was burned out as well in my other agency is i felt that i wasn't good enough to serve the clients that i wanted to work with mm. so i always settled for the, the 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 clients that were chasing me the clients that did not have an email list the clients that didn't have a proven product the clients that you know wanted to pay me 20k 25k but i knew that could make it work 
because I've done it before. I worked for a client that has zero size email list and made them 80,000 US dollars in spent three months and grew the email list from zero to 8,500. But it took my soul out of me because it took a lot of work to make it work. Wait, so, why? But, why did it take a lot of work with them? Because, uh, because comparing to someone that has an email list, let's say of 20,000, they have mm -hmm. their course, uh, you know, they have the course. So they know okay. who their target audience is. They have a reputation already. They are kind of known already in the industry. They right. already have some product. They already have a team, right? As opposed to the person that's building up a business, they have none of that. So a lot of the okay. figuring out was up to us to figure out that Got unless it. the client was sure about his industry, and even then it wasn't always sure because it wasn't that uh, backed, mm -hmm. uh, it took extra work for us. So that mm -hmm. drained my team and me. And that was because of my own insecurity when it comes to picking the clients. And I picked the client because I knew that I would not get rejected by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so that was my limiting belief that I was not quote unquote worthy enough to work with big clients when I had like four years of case studies and success stories. Mm -hmm. Um so the mindset coach actually pushed me to he didn't push me to do virtual summits. He was like, Hey Rick, you know, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, I enjoy doing conferences and speaking there. So okay, well, she look at conferences you should speak at. So yeah, that's true. Uh so I speak at a conference. And then those people, when I spoke on the conference, uh, a lot of people came to me. It's like, hey, Eric, I would love to hire you for what you did. I said, oh, I'm not doing virtual summit anymore, but what about just doing consulting? So, oh, okay, that's an interesting thought. And then I'll just put a 5K amount. So, hey, 5K for four hours of my time, which is what I usually charge. Easy sell, super easy sell. They're like, okay, let's do it. I'm like, are you serious? Only 5K? We'll do it. Okay. Uh, I was like, okay, that was too easy of a yes. Let me double that. So I doubled it to 10K. Mm -hmm. And something happened. People took it too, so super fast. It was like, okay, maybe that's not high enough. So now for four hours of my time, it's 20K. And what has really helped me refining this offer is not only like the mindset coach that pushed me and, and confronted me on this limiting belief that I had and also called me on my bullshit. But two is maybe one of the greatest books I read this year, which is the $100 million offer by like mm -hmm. Alex Harmozy. Mm. where how can you add something to your offer that makes it such a no-brainer and for me is uh 20k usd for four hours of my time and i'll give and i'll guarantee you that you get 20k in sponsorship for your virtual conference and mm. if you don't i'll give you a full refund mm. i saw that you that posted that on your story i was like whoa and uh and that is a no-brainer because the clients that i want to work with they have emails of let's say five, ten k, and yeah. I know for a fact that if I can raise twenty k for a, for a client that has a zero email list size, I can do it easily for a client that has a ten thousand plus email list size. Okay, and to give some context, because some people might be a little confused here, the client that you're charging twenty k for four hours of your time, they are like a they are a business owner, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, and their email list consists of can you explain that part like who who are who are on those email lists and how are you actually getting sponsors for them so that's a great question so i used to work with any digital marketer uh agency owners e-commerce anyone that wants to build an email list build revenue and grow their authority but now only niche down to course creators so now i only work with people that have a course that have an email list of above 10k and also, they have made over six figures with the course. So um, how they get sponsors? Um, so it depends on the industry. But the biggest hack that I have is, let's say you are a... going. Let's do an Airbnb summit, right? Mm -hmm. So when you teach people about the business of Airbnb, you obviously... You know, learn about, hey, how to find your first you know, rental and how do you scale out to 5, to 10, to 20. Uh, and then how do you build a team around that? How do you do marketing, right? So you, all those people that will go through your course or your virtual summit, they will need some tools, some softwares. And those softwares, they pay $100 and no, $1,000 sometimes to acquire clients. Mm -hmm. But if you come to them say, hey, do you want to speak to potentially 8,000 of your ideal clients? They will be so ecstatic to make it work because they know exactly how much it costs them to get a customer. Mm. Right. So they come in, they become a speaker, a paid speaker, and then they can promote their software or their product. And then they pay you cash. 
And then the way that we use uh, this sponsorship money is we're going to use 100% of that into marketing. So let's say you gave us 20K in sponsorship. We're going to use 20K into Facebook ads to make you even more look good in front of more customers that you have paid more money to acquire anyway. And then you're going to have a lot of people that would use your software because that'll be the only software for that specific thing that you the clients need to operate the business. And mm-hmm. if you compare it to live events, they will have paid four times, five times more. If you compare it to Facebook ads, they will have paid five to 10 times more because it's hard to target these people, especially mm-hmm. now with the the whole Apple tracking thing. Mm-hmm. So sponsorship is even more viable now. And, and yeah, the, the client's happy, the sponsor's happy, the attendees are happy. And that's how we guaranteed 20K because we never had underneath 18K. And that was before I even like refined my process. Damn, you know, some people listening to this might be like, how the fuck are you charging 20K for four hours of your time? No, because it's funny. I, I know my my friend from Amazon. I mean, I, I love her to death. She's she's a great friend. Uh, one thing that she lacks is a lot of understanding of how people actually like, she's only understood the, oh, the the VP makes like 400,000 annually, right? That's their, that's their salary. And she thinks that's, um, that is a lot of money, right? But she she's only seen it like like in that direction. Like she's never heard or been this degree of separation, like you and I, like as friends, like of like having a friend that actually like charges like that for like consulting, you know? Yeah. Um, the biggest mindset shift is can you make your clients more money than they pay you? And if the answer is yes, then you should charge accordingly. I know for a fact I can make my clients more than 20k. Um, actually made my client 25k from just half an hour uh, four years ago from just one call about sponsorship um, that's just how powerful it is because they just, sometimes they just need the right advice at the right time to make it work mm-hmm. and for them paying 20k if they can make 100k it's a no-brainer and then when you offer a no-brainer offer that's yeah. attached to, perform- to performance it's like no risk for them it's like, okay if it doesn't work out it's you know give us the money back but I know it works because I need to be picking about my client and who I say yes to. Right. So it's like saying yes to on both ends, right? Me, I have to vet my clients. The client has to vet me. But I make it easier on my clients to say yes to me because I offer a guarantee that makes me need to perform for them. Right. How do you find these clients? And this is actually something I'm really excited to share with you, Emily, because that's something I learned how other agencies um, get the best clients. You want to partner up with agencies or communities full of your ideal clients. So for me, for example, instead of me running Facebook ads, which is not really effective, you want to be warm intro into someone's community. So let's say my community is course creators. I am going to work with agencies that create towards course creators, whether that is someone who creates websites only for course creators, someone who uh, teaches other people how to create courses or scale a course. And I want to reach out to those uh, super connectors in that space. And I want to strike a deal with them. So, hey, can I do a webinar with them for your community about this strategy that I find is is perfect niche for you? So they feel like, okay, this is something that my community would like. And two is I give you a cut. And it's not any cut. It's like a cut out of 20,000 per clients. And then for them to say yes to that and like, hey, I gave you... 25% of that, let's say here being 5K, is a no-brainer for them. Uh, and also, and also one of the strategies I want to implement in the future is I want to only interview people who are course creators in the future and then be able to then say at the end of the interview, like, hey, by the way, do you have five minutes to discuss about something that I think will be really beneficial for us too? Okay, yeah, sure. I spent 35 minutes already talking to you. I would love to hear for five minutes what you do, Eric. So, okay, cool. Here's what I do. And I, and I offer them the no-brainer guarantee. We guarantee $20,000 in sponsorship. Otherwise, we'll give you a full refund. And you can walk away with a full blueprint of a virtual summit that has generated over $2 million across all my clients. Are you interested in that? It's like, yeah, okay, this no-brainer. Let's talk about that. And then that's how we close. Yeah. And I, and I think what's what's interesting, that the, the biggest theme here that you're mentioning is that 
um, you know, even though you're to some people, it's a ballsy ask, like for, for what you're doing, you also have mentioned consistently, like, you know, it's proven, like you can perform at that level and you're offering like a full refund if that doesn't occur. So I think that's something for people to note is like, you know, don't be throwing out some bullshit number that you can't back up either, you know? And, and, and would you say that takes time? Like, obviously like you have four years of experience, right? Roughly of, of what you did prior and before you like turned uh, closed down your agency and then now what you're doing on the consulting side you have that much experience to be able to have that knowledge from doing it yeah i think knowledge is important but i think the offer needs to be reflected ideally on something that doesn't cost you that much money up front for example for me the only thing i lose is 20k which is you know, what is given by my clients and four hours of time i don't run facebook ads I'm not designing anything. I'm just giving people templates. So 20K, four hours, I give them my website templates, my email script, my sponsorship script, and then my Facebook ad script, right? So it's not only like 20K just for four hours, like my whole uh, my whole bundle, but I, it doesn't cost me to build it because I built it before for my agency. Um, so a no-brainer offer, I, I, honestly, I would really recommend people reading the book, The $100 million Offer, to find mm -hmm. the price that, that fits you best because there's a different type of offer for different type of people. Uh, but making such a no-brainer based on performances is such an incentive for people to say yes to you compared to someone else that has the same results, the same price points, but they're going to pick you because it's just easier for them to say you, yes to you. And I came up with 20K because I know that's the number that I can get from my clients. So I will push people think about what is something that you will always guarantee to your clients based on what you have performed for your other clients in the past. So mm. an example for me is I can guarantee people like, hey, 20 speakers, one of them being an eight type speaker being really famous. Or two mm. is I can guarantee the conversion rate on the seven being above 5%. Uh, another one could be, hey, I can guarantee you that your summit will be seen by X amount of people uh, based on the performances. If you're a Facebook ads team, uh, you can do like performance-based like this. Um, just so much easier this way because mm -hmm. people just, they, they have no reason to not trust you because yeah. there's no risk for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just like, I'm absorbing everything you're saying right now. That's why I'm like a little slow to react because I'm like, huh, like it's getting my wheels turning. It's like 9, 9.30 a.m. over here in New York. And I'm like, like on that morning flow now <laughs> listening to you talk about this because this is funny, you guys, just for context. Eric and I have actually never met in person either. And you you are in Bangkok. And so we're in different time zones. And, um, you know, like like in, my, my question too is, are you doing business with only people in the U.S.? Uh, not really, but I prefer because they are the most open that I've I found to spend twenty k for four hours. So okay, that's why I was curious about because I was like, I mean, how are like you know, I to me it's a no brainer because people in the U S. and it's a very entrepreneurial culture here. More a lot of businesses here, a lot of people that would be more likely to have that kind of capital to pay you. <laughs> well, it's also like how you pick your clients, right? I, I know for right. a fact that someone who's just beginning would not have 20K of their own money to spend on VIP day only. It's only someone right. that is not only know what they're doing, they have money coming in, but also they know uh -huh. how much it costs for them to acquire a customer. Um, yeah. Like I am actually about to work with someone from Romania who teaches people how to self-publish a book for kids on Amazon and make a living out of that. He sells his course for 2K. So for him to make a ROI on this investment, you just need him to sell 10 of his course uh, to break even on that must, on that virtual summit. And then on top of that, there's a guarantee of 20K. So he's not losing any money. Even if the quote unquote summit fails, uh, he's still going to be profitable. Right. Huh. Like two last questions. One question, you I know you started speaking again, and I've seen this on your Instagram stories. Um, this one might be a little bit more relatable in, in different aspects, not just for like pitching yourself to speak, but like pitching yourself in general at any time, right? How did you get, what what was your process in pitching yourself to be a speaker at conferences? And again, I think this is applicable in all areas, whether you're pitching yourself for a job or pitching yourself to be selected for something. I think the biggest key is 
you need to speak to be found to be a speaker. Um, have a podcast, have a virtual summit. Like all my gigs that came to me came from hosting my first virtual summit. Mm. Um, so people saw me as a speaker because I was hosting interviews with other people. And they and this is something crazy that people don't understand, but it happened is you don't need to speak to be seen as an authority or as a speaker. You just need to be next to someone who speaks and next to someone who is an authority. So that's one. Two is um, do what you do, host a podcast or be on someone's podcast and then mm -hmm. make it clear that you are a speaker and talk about the fact that you're a speaker. And then you are, you know, hey, I'm traveling to this place, New York, uh, in January or February. Who who has an event, or uh, do what I do is I check out the events I want to go to, and I apply to be mm -hmm. a speaker at those conferences. Like you know, why not get paid or at least go to the event for free if I was gonna pay for that event anyway? And that's mm -hmm. what I did for my last conference in Bangkok, where instead of just being an attendee, I wanted to speak about virtual summit so that when I was networking around, I wasn't just someone that was having business. I was actually a speaker there. So that gave me more leverage to have clients to chase me as opposed to me chasing clients. And that's a huge mm. networking tool. Um, or, you and know, did if, you apply, did you, did you apply like on, like on their website, was there like apply to be a speaker or did you reach out like cold? No, I reached out cold. Email? So, Hey, um, mm. you know, I saw you have some speakers, uh, this about digital marketing for nomads. I've been doing, I've been doing this for XYZ years. Um, the key is to always have something like a keynote ready. For me, it's like um, how I generated 400K in sponsorship through my virtual summits. And they're all like, oh, shit, I want to know about that. Mm. So having that ready, like a hook ready for a specific target audience is huge. Uh, and then obviously change it depending on the event you go to. If, let's say you go to like a real estate event, you change a little bit. You go to a digital marketing, you change a little bit. So um Hmm. The the best doors are the ones that are not promoted. So if some if a website says apply to be a speaker, there's gonna be a lot of people. But if a website just says, hey, just buy your ticket here, not people are gonna apply to be a speaker because it's True. nowhere on the websites. Yeah. And and by the way, then did you charge them for you to speak or did you come in as an offer to speak complimentary? No, so once I get it booked, uh I usually don't charge them because I said to them, hey, can I promote one of my products? And that's way more right. valuable than getting paid. Right. Right. That's a that's a good piece of advice there. One one last thing before I, I ask that classic question I ask everyone, because I'm curious to know if your answer has changed. But um we talked a lot about like business and kind of like personal life today. But in the past, reflecting on the past like two and a half years, would you say like, do you make decisions differently in business and in your personal life? So primarily around like logic versus instincts. Can you, I, I'm curious to know how that process has been for you. Um, when you, yeah, when you use one or the other, or if you have noticed that you've begun to trust one more than you would have thought to over two, over the past two and a half years. I think that's, that's something we talked about in the past and Mm -hmm. I would say that now in business, I'm way less emotionally charged, meaning that I have less of like a roller coaster of emotions. Of the highs of the highs are you know not as great, and but the low of the lows are not as intense. So I'm able to build a more sustainable yeah. emotional uh and tank here. But Mm -hmm. what fuels me now is different than what fueled me before before was like i need to prove myself i need to do that because i want to look great to not only myself but also my friends were doing great things now it's like i want to do great things for myself and those things might change and it, it is still changing but i'm proud of being able to charge 20k for four hours of my time like that's something i'm really proud of um i don't need mm -hmm. to have agency I don't want to grow a big company. I just need to do what I want to do. It's a strategy. And I think we yeah. talk about it. It's like, hey, the answer of business now is to scale up. Sometimes it's just doing more of what you want to do. And then now you have the money to say, 
no to things that you don't want to do, right? Like you don't have to do as many sales right. calls when you have that much money coming in. Uh, you're just yeah. picky about your clients. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to have 10 people to manage because that's what everyone else is doing. Uh, what works the best for you is what you want. And then you take the best from other people and then you leave the rest and you have your own little system that other people will you know, relate to more than other entrepreneurs. And, you know, that's that that's mm-hmm. how it, it should be. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, at the end of the day is I am doing more of what I want to do and I don't want to let other people, like, you know, let me decide what you should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it, that for the most part answers the question. I think I'm just really curious. I'm on a kick lately of of asking people, especially entrepreneurs, because I think a lot of times we we focus a lot on rationalizing things. And I'm just, I guess, curious to know if where you're at now came mm. with like an aha instinct feeling or was so how it about like... This? Um, I used to be so much in my head yeah. when it comes to the what if. Like, what if I did this? What if I this fucked up? Or what if this worked out great? And I have even more pressure. So instead of trying to figure out what would happen, just do it and then see what happens. And you react to the reality mm. as, as opposed to the fantasy of what you think will happen. Because what you think will happen rarely happens and it's always best to act on the things that ha- is actually happening as opposed to the ones that you f- you will think will happen yeah and the thinking process takes 90 times more <laughs> energy and time for maybe one percent or ten percent of the time really happening right um so instead of thinking let's say you know it'd be great to reach out to 10 clients and then work with 10 clients uh, but then it's just gonna be a lot of work, and I'm afraid of what's gonna look like, and I'm gonna get overwhelmed with ten times more employees. You know what? Just do it, and then figure out when you need to figure it out, as opposed to uh having audiences ready to the things that you don't know if it will happen or not. Right. And that that has that that has helped me a lot mm-hmm. with both personal and business life. But I think even more in 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 personal life, instead of just trying to plan out two years in advance mm-hmm. with who I'm going to be with, like in a personal relationship, let's just like go out on a date first and see where it is. And if it doesn't work out, like I'll figure out then. I need to plan it ahead of time. Dude, uh, that's that's been the same realization for me, high key. I, I, I asked that just because I think um, as entrepreneurs, we have more tendencies to think and plan ahead. So I was just curious if that has yeah. been a shift for you. Um, the last question, something I do ask everyone, and I, like I said, curious to compare with your your previous answer in 2020, but what would you say fulfills you in life? Right now, what fulfills me is being able to do the work that I do without having the anxiety or the stress I used to have. Like I'm in a place where I am both hopeful and blissful for what I'm working on. And the reason why I'm able to feel this way is because I said no to so many things that made me unhappy, whether that is personal or business-wise. The thing that you think you should do is not always something you have to do. Um, For me, for example, I don't need to have an agency. I can just be a one-man consulting company. And I only do the things I want to do. And I only connect with the people I want to connect with. I do think it is a luxury to get to this point. But uh, not a bidding by someone else's system just because they're successful has been such a relief for my mental health. No, no, yeah, I just, I, I have a lot of wheels turning from this conversation, like in my head right now. So I'm just like, huh, a lot of light bulbs going on. <laughs> I appreciate this, uh, Eric. This was really awesome. And uh, where can everyone find you if they want to just maybe reach out? They're curious to learn more about what you do, share your plug, your social media. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me, follow, follow me on my Instagram. It's uh, Eric Z Yang. So like letter Z with uh, Yang being Y-N-G dot E-T-H. That's a crypto thing. <laughs> uh, so follow me on Instagram. If you like this episode, want to connect, send me a DM there or check out my podcast. I don't publish anymore, but I will soon again. Uh, the Fuck College podcast where Emily was featured and it was great to have her there. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Eric.
Yeah, thanks, Emily. And that was all for today's conversation with my good friend Eric Z Yang. I really hope you found some value in this, especially if you have been feeling a bit in a rut with your career or your entrepreneurial journey. Perhaps this gave you some good ideas, and if it did, it would mean the world to me if you could just share this episode on your Instagram story and tag the podcast Insta at What Fulfills You and myself at Emily E Duong. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Anything that you want to hear more of? You guys know, especially the ones that do message me on Instagram, that I actually enjoy conversing with you guys. So please don't be a stranger. Hit me up over Instagram DM. I am always in the mood to chat with you guys. Last but not least, definitely be sure to check out all the podcast merch. It is available on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. That includes the new hoodie, the hats, the card game, of course, the journal. It is still the beginning of the year, so I feel like it is a great way to kick off the year with intention. And if you are in a journaling mood, I would consider the combination of the card game and journal because I know a lot of you guys do actually use the questions from the card game as journal prompts so definitely consider that for yourself again everything is on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com and you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout thanks again for tuning in today i will chat with you all in the next episode what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co